Good evening, fellow Earthlings. Welcome to the podcast. Jeff isn't working. I'm your host, Jeff Schroeder, and I'm not working on a lot of levels. Um, I spoke with a dear friend of mine recently who had checked out uh, the first couple of episodes of this journey and much to my chagrin he kind of broke a foot in my ass and was like just do it you know consistency content um, quality yes but even if you don't have anybody that you're interviewing just you know put stuff out into the universe and I found that to be strangely liberating like strangely it was just a little bit of wind in your sail to be like you have permission from another human being that's a responsible adult that is in charge of other smaller human beings that just gave you permission to just do something whatever like who gives a fuck like some people have turned on and turned this off already some people will never turn it on some people won't discover this until long after I'm gone and maybe this is just a digital diary for my children to figure out that their old man cared about them um, but also questioned the meaning and tore at the fabric of this life that we live uh, maybe it'll inspire them to never do drugs <laughs> Uh, but for whatever reason, I'm here, you're here, welcome, uh, and let's move on. So today, I was sitting on the couch, and my wife, Abby, turned to me and said, your dad is dead. And there was this rush of emotion that like just as a wave just went through me and in a nanosecond my body was like full stop shut it down and she could tell that I was on the verge of breaking down and she said oh my god I'm so sorry your biological dad I'm just looking at my memories and this is the day that he passed away and in that moment I lived in a balance of confusion that I was so familiar with in having a stepdad who I love. First of all, he's my dad. Like, I adopted at 13, married my mom when I was a year old. Like, ever since I can remember, dad, capital D. But by his fluids, I was not conceived. And my biological manufacturer um, was a different gentleman, a gentleman who I've written a little bit about, processed a little bit, but since I can't afford therapy and you love hearing about a stranger's life, let's just unpack it right here. Um, my biological father um, and my mother had a relationship to whatever degree I only have heard really one side of this story and now will only have ever heard one side of this story. So 
I can't speak for the for all parties involved, but according to my mother, they had a relationship. Uh, I have no reason not to believe her. She's not been proven to be a liar to me my whole life. But um, I do have a half-sister, same dad, that is my age. So I do know that while my dad was with my, my biological father was with my mom, he was also with a friend of my mom's, a co-worker. Uh, they worked together because we, I have a sibling that in elementary school came up to me one day and said, who's your dad? And I, the same response I always give, Carl Schroeder. She said, no, no who's your real dad? And that, <laughs> I'm realizing that's a regional thing in Freeport to ask someone like, Who's your dad? No, no, no. Who's your real dad? Um, we we should we should probably figure that out. Seventies were wild, but um, no. She said, "Who's your who's your real dad?" That was the wasn't even biological. We didn't have that vocabulary then. Who's your real dad? And I said, "Oh, Kenny Johnson." She said, "Kenny Johnson's my real dad. You're my brother." And I remember just looking like, "What?" It like. It didn't register, it didn't compute. And so I went home and fact-checked with, you know, the only eyewitness I knew, my mom. And she was, oh, yeah, you know, it's a little well-known fact that there was this overlap. And, you know, yeah, you have a half-sister. You probably have a million half-siblings. She knew of two or three Kennys. He wanted to name me Kenny. Thankfully, my mom uh, said no, and she settled on Jeff, which isn't a great name, but it's not fucking Kenny, and it's not one of five Kenny Johnsons in the world, um, but, you know, whatever, it's, the, the man's dead, I'm not going to stand here on this side and, and judge his life, I don't know his life, it was just shocking to me that she you know, approached me and gave me that information and that it was true. Like, can you imagine going to like, I think third or fourth grade, walking in the hallway, some girl that, you know, from school, I mean, it wasn't a big school. I went to Freeport, uh, center school, center elementary school. I think there was like maybe 50 kids in a grade, 40, 50 kids in a grade. So you knew like kind of everybody in your school, you knew the older kids, maybe you didn't know the younger kids so much, but I knew her knew of her and she approached me and you know asked me that it was just bizarre so by that point um I had met my biological father one time uh we had stopped at this little convenience store uh named okie dokie um my mom ran in for lottery tickets and cigarettes which was a semi-daily ritual some guy comes up to the car, says, uh, hey, I'm your dad. Just like that. I'm your dad. And I'm like, wait, what? My dad's at home. And my mom is like standing by the car and like kind of smiling. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, is this a joke? And I was probably eight or nine. I was like, no, my dad's at home. And I knew that like, I knew... I don't remember ever learning that I had a biological father. Like that was just, I mean, that's a, a joke, but it's kind of common in the region to, you know, the first one is like, Hey, this didn't work out. And then, 
you know, the second and the third kind of have the same family structure. Um, so I always kind of knew it was there, but I never really, I never really clicked that there was an actual human being that was my biology. Um, and it still didn't in that moment. I was just like, he shook my hand and I was like, okay. And I sleeked back into the car. Um, and we drove home and it was like, oh, this is where all the weird thoughts and ideas and happenings go. And we'll just shove it way, way, way down here. Uh, and then I was probably 15 years old ish. Um, and I was walking to the bus for summer school, uh, and sadly, summer school could have been anywhere from sixth grade to my second attempt at ninth grade because um, I was in summer school for all of them. <clears throat> but I hear this from this porch, Jeff, and I turn and I'm like, what's up? And it's just, you know, grown ass man standing on the porch. It's like, I'm your dad again. What the fuck? And I'm your dad. I was like, oh, cool. I got to go get the bus. He's like, you should come over sometime. We should hang. And he was living in like a apartment on like the street by the bus. And I was like, cool. And then I got on the bus, you know, super confused. And it's like, was that a real invitation? Was that a real offer? Or was it like I'm on the porch smoking a cigarette in the morning, kind of taking it all in. And, oh, there's my, there's my boy walking over there. Um, so that, I mean, it was all like kind of crazy. Uh, and then the third time I met him was at my grandmother's funeral. Um, and the strange thing is like my hometown's not a big place. So like some of his family members were pretty known within that like to the area like regional overlap like for example a lot of my aunts worked at the same factory that my mom and stepdad for reference uh worked at so you know I'd always be like oh that's Barb from Honeywell we work together oh that's Kenny's sister that's your dad's sister and I mean there was always like these weird <clears throat> just the most nonchalant casual oh yeah that's your aunt that's your cousin um so i knew some of them like my aunt kathy i knew my uncle danny i knew from a totally different thing which was uh vietnam which my stepdad dad was involved in heavily being a vietnam veteran and my uncle danny was involved in pretty heavily being also a veteran what I didn't know at that time and knew discovered about seven years ago when he died was my biological father was also in Vietnam. So a lot of weird shit happening at the end of the sixties and through the seventies, uh, 78 was my manufacture date. So I kind of at 43, see it through a little different lens than I did at like those intervals of eight and 15. And <clears throat> I think it was like eight, 13 and 15. It was like the second two were really close together. 
So the fourth time and final time meeting my biological, biological. So the fourth time I met my biological father was um, I'd seen on Facebook a picture of him in a hospital bed dying of cancer. Um, and the woman who posted it, I kind of knew her from school. Um, she was in, so my biological father married, I believe, a woman who had had kids, and then they had a couple kids together. I think I have two younger half-siblings than Dolly and myself, um, maybe more, but I think there's two. Uh, and she had some children, and so he kind of lived with them um, and was their dad. Um, so she posted a picture of him and I think I either reached out to my aunt Kathy, his sister, or she reached out to me. I can't remember exactly. Um, but the conversation basically went, you know, Kenny's dying. He's, he's only got a little bit left. Um, so Abby and I had just kind of started dating at that time. Um, and thank God she's a social worker because, well, for so many reasons. I mean, I was, I'm a rescue dog. But, like, you know, hey, do you want to go back to Freeport with me and meet this guy that I've only met three other times, but also he's my biological father, but also he's on his deathbed of cancer. Um, and she was like, sure, let's go. And I remember milling, mulling, milling, mulling it over, milling it over. Um, English experts, please feel free to give feedback. Um, let me know which one it is. It might be both, actually. Uh, anyway, I remember thinking about it long and hard and being like, is this the right move? You know what I mean? Like, what do you expect to happen? What do you, what's best case scenario? What's worst case scenario? Like, what is what is this? And I remember someone um, messaging me because I kind of made a public post and was just like, I don't know what to do. You know, like, this is bizarre. What would you do? Choose your own adventure kind of thing. And I remember someone reaching out to me uh, who remained nameless, but I really appreciated it. And they were like, I had a similar situation happen. Very similar story. You will regret it if you don't. If you do, you won't regret doing it, but you will never have to worry about regret regretting not doing it. Like, what's the downside? And that was powerful. I was like, yeah, okay, sure, yeah, let's just go. Let's just kind of exist in the same place one last time. And, you know... He can unburden himself to whatever degree he would like to. Um, if I feel led, I'll impart to him some kind of parting thing. And so, <laughs> naively, I think someone's actively passing away. They're going to be in a hospital. So I go to Freeport, go to the Freeport Memorial Hospital, hospital I was born at. Um, and we go into the reception area. 
Yeah, here to see somebody. Yeah, Kenny Johnson. Uh, okay, he's on the third floor. I'm like, okay. So then it's like sinking in. It's real. Like Abby and I are walking down this corridor in this hallway. And I get up to this receptionist desk. And this is 100% uh, true story. I Who are you here to see? Kenny Johnson. Oh, he just got out of surgery for cataracts. And I'm like, wait a second. Why are we putting new tires on an old Cadillac? You know, this is like my thinking. I'm like, cataract surgery doesn't check out for, you know, this guy's got days. <clears throat> so I go, what's his birth date? No idea. Middle name? No idea. So the nurse goes, hang on, let me go back there and ask him if he's got a son. <laughs> And I'll come back and tell you. So she goes back and she comes out of the... I I laugh because it's so crazy. She comes out of the room and she just immediately shakes her head no. And I'm like, oh. And before that, when, it, when the lady's asking me, like, middle name, birth date, in my mind, I'm like, she probably thinks I'm the world's shittiest kid for not knowing this. And because that like trips this mechanism in my brain as a comic, you know, it's deflect and, you know, divert and lighten the mood and kind of call out the elephant in the room in a funny way. I go, oh, no, no, no. My dad and I have been playing hide and seek for 40 years. I think I might have found him. <laughs> she smirked and Abby laughed and was like, oh, my God. You know, just like the mortification that civilians have in situations uh like this um but yeah so she goes back there not him so i messaged my aunt kathy and i'm like hey i'm at the hospital um and she's like i'll meet you there and then we can drive over to the house because he was on hospice so they they let him go home and um I found out after that that usually if someone is, you know, coming to the end of their life and they don't require emergency medical care, they'll release them to hospice and have them kind of live out their days as comfortable as possible in their own surrounding. So followed her over to the house. Um, that's where I kind of re-met uh, the woman who posted the, the photo his stepdaughter, my stepsister, um, who was lovely. I mean, everybody that we that we met and connected with couldn't have been nicer, lovelier people. Um, and it was great to to kind of connect with them, even though it was you know it was foreign. Like, there's all the weird shit, of course, but you know it's also like they're they're human beings. Like, they don't they they did nothing wrong. Nobody. The weird part is like at 43 with children of my own, having made good choices, bad choices, choices in between. The only piece for me personally is I don't understand how you can have a child and not be involved in their life to some degree. And I get that you might not have all your ducks in a row or you might, you know, not necessarily feel like you have a ton to offer that child at every stage of their life, but just involvement and being there. And I get that, you know, adults, uh, 
are difficult and you know when you're in a relationship that goes south a lot of times there's animosity and bitterness and and everything like that I get that I'm involved in that I live that with my first uh wife ex-wife um I get that it's dude there's people that make it tough to interact I get it but at the end of the day that's your kid you know so that that's that's my you know critique um but again I only got one side of it he's not here to defend himself and so going into the house um I meet these wonderful people he's back behind you know a curtain in the next room and I go back there and here's the weird part my aunt and Abby God bless her uh were like maybe you need a little time yourself and I'm like fuck um so I go back there I get in the room and he looks at me and the only way I can describe it is kind of like how if you've ever caught a dog shitting on a carpet or pissing on a rug like that look that they give you that's just like this like puppy dog eyes kind of but not manipulative just like shame a little guilt a little fear a little um and the weird part is that like the cancer had affected his vocal cord so he couldn't even talk so I'm standing there and even if I wanted some like you know closure Hollywood you know I'm sorry um look in that drawer there's 40 birthday cards that I you know I never mailed you but I thought about you every year you know whatever whatever you fantasize about to whatever degree um he couldn't do it and I didn't know what to say I had no idea what to say and I'm imagining that words are just going to come into my brain and I'm going to be able to say them and just like you know it's okay I forgive you go in peace but then I'm like who am I to forgive a human being like another human being like it was so confused. So honestly, and I'm not like, you know, this isn't like, Hey, look how cool I am. Um, but I stood there. I remember hearing a joke. It's like when you get a birthday card, you open it and you stand there for the amount of time that seems appropriate to read a birthday card. And then you just say, thank you. And that joke kind of went through my head. Cause I'm like, what, what's the appropriate amount of time to just stand here in silence with somebody not somebody like the somebody and when do you just kind of say okay we're we're good come on in so it felt like an eternity could have been two minutes could have been ten minutes I have no idea but I was excited that everybody kind of came into the room we took pictures it was real real confusing because at one point, it's like, you know, meeting my brother, my brother, you know, this is little Ken and big Ken couldn't be here. And, you know, 
but and they're wonderful great people i feel sad that i didn't get to participate in their lives and you know think about how different my life would have been had i or how you know whatever <clears throat> um so we're taking pictures and we leave i say goodbye um we leave and we get in the car and this is when i knew that i was going to marry abby we get in the car and Abby's like, I couldn't help but through the robe see your dad's dick. Your dad had a huge has a huge dick. And I I lost it. I lost it. It was like it was like if you're if you're ever at a show, at a comedy show, and like there's just this big setup and there's this opportunity to laugh amidst the, you know, the pain or the darkness, like they'll give you a little bit of light and, you know, a little bit of humor. I guess it happens in like, you know, stories, plays, whatever. That little bit of light just seems so much bigger because it's like, all right, cool. We're, <laughs> we're still human. We're still like, this is still fucked up, but we can still laugh. Um, that was the fourth and final time I met my biological father. That was seven years ago, roughly seven years ago. Uh, today, he ended up passing away, I think, within a couple months after that. And today is the actual anniversary of that passing. And my Uncle Danny calls, who my Uncle Danny passed away sh shortly after um, as well. Uh, but he call. I'll never forget. He, I'm driving in my car, and he calls me, and he's like, "You know, your your dad passed away." Um, and I had heard already from Facebook, and I think my aunt had reached out to me already. And he said, "You know, it'd be really great if you could come speak at the funeral." And I politely declined, not because I had any bitterness or hard feelings or or hard, you know, anything. It just, of all people, like, I, I, I'm not a true witness to this person's life. Sadly, unfortunately, tragically, um, I'm the last person you'd want to speak there because if I'm being honest, it's like, I don't know this person at all. I, don't, I didn't know their middle name. I didn't know their birthday when I went to the hospital to go check on them. Like, I, I don't know them at all. Um, so, yeah, that's the story of my biological father. May he rest in peace. Um, and if I could tell him anything... I would tell him that I have no hard feelings. Life is very difficult. I can't imagine going to war. I can't imagine what that does to the psyche. Not that it's an excuse to live good or bad. I'm not I'm not giving excuse, I'm not making excuse, but I'm also not I don't feel like he needs to be excused. 
life is hard and all you have is what's right in front of your face and survival and you know the people that are around you and for whatever reason I wasn't uh, I wasn't one of those people um, after we found out that he passed away we went and Abby had gotten tickets to James Taylor at Wrigley Field and I was kind of in a daze all day like I you know how you're just waiting for it's like the earthquake happens the water goes all the way out into the ocean and you're just kind of standing in this strangely dry place where water's supposed to be waiting for this giant wave to just come and like hit you but you're like oh maybe it's not coming maybe I misread the situation and maybe it's not there Maybe you can't feel anger and frustration and sadness for a complete stranger. Even the idea of one. Um, So I was just kind of like in this waiting, like, you know, your shoulders are kind of tense. Sad that someone died. Someone that people you know cared about. Um, But we went to this concert and Abby's like, it's cool, it's cool. And we snuck down to these seats and then people would come. And we snuck down to other seats that were open. And we finally got two seats right in the front um, of where the seats are. And obviously, there was on the field, but we had decent seats. It was, you know, perfect night in Chicago, Wrigley, James Taylor, like little clouds in the sky sunset and I remember he played um, fire and rain and when it got to the part where he said and I always thought that I'd see you again I lost it I felt like something just like gave and this flood of emotion came out and I realized that I wasn't mourning a person that I knew well enough to truly care about. I was mourning the finality of the situation. That we couldn't, even as adult men, sit across a table from each other and hear both sides of of our stories and decide from that information whether or not we were going to let bygones be bygones and have some sort of, you know, relationship or acknowledgement of the other's existence. Um, and that was that was the hard part was knowing that, like, it's gone with him went a whole half of my DNA that I will never, ever know about. When the doctor asked me any family history with blah, 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 I can only speak on behalf of my mother's side. And it sounds like a dumb thing, but there's layers to that. There's levels to that. Like, are my kids like my dad, my biological father? Do they have a little bit of him in there? I have no idea. Do I? I posted a picture of him 
um, two years ago on this date. Just kind of saying, you know, my usual cheers, no hard feelings. You know, I hope you're doing well wherever we go when we leave this planet. Um, and the comments were like, that's you with hair. Oh, my God, that's you with hair. That's you with hair. And I look at him and I'm like, I, I can see the resemblance. Um, yeah, so that is, and I, I do want to say an addendum on the back part of that story. Rest in peace to Kenny Johnson. Rest in peace to Uncle Danny. Uh, great guy. Um, veterans. But also, kudos to my dad, Carl Schroeder, for stepping in and raising me like I was his own. I mean, truly, it was, it was incredible. I mean, there is, in the recesses of my brain, in the reptilian part of my brain, I do believe that there's kind of a, a failure to connect sometimes when it, you know, that, that little push of like confidence from your dad, you know, even before you know what that is. And my mom was great. You know, my, my dad, Carl was great. And maybe it's, maybe it's a, um, what do they call those? Like, uh, uh, self-fulfilling prophecy. Maybe it's what I assign to that, but it just feels like a lot of other dudes are able to just like connect with men. And it always felt difficult for me to connect with other men, you know, to just have small talk. I mean, my friends, I love them to death and they know that I'm, you know, kind of insane or whatever. And, super ADD and hyper-focused and all of those wonderful, great things. But, I mean, even now with, like, meeting dads, until, like, that fifth or sixth or seventh hang, and it's like, okay, here's the real crazy that goes on in my brain. And they're either like, you know, oh, my God, I'm glad you said something because me too. Or it's like, nope, not my bag, dude. I just kind of keep a normal face, buried in work, and... uh you know, I'm just trying to gut it out. And it's like, okay, cool. Yeah, no, do your thing, man. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that's the story of Kenny Johnson. And that's what I got. Talk to you guys soon.